You're listening to the Watling and Owen Show. Hello and welcome into the Watling and Owen Show here on a Monday, a victory Monday with a capital V. Back-to-back weeks, who would have thought? Because, you know, after last week, we said that doesn't happen very often. Well, it might happen a lot this year because we've got some good, question mark, football teams. The Bills, obviously, we knew were good. The Giants, we kind of, you know, we've declared that they're good enough. And now the Jets have entered the chat after a big win over the Packers. And not to mention, the Yankees also get a big win last night. So it's kind of weird, Matt. You know, when we started this show, it seemed like everything went wrong for every single team that we covered. But there's uh, there's the the sun at the end of the at the end of the rainstorm right now. This is probably one of the best years for all of New York sports, if if you think about it. And this isn't the take that I texted you about multiple times, Luke. But this could be the first year in quite some time that New York has a base, two baseball teams make it. I would argue you're already a shoo-in for two football teams, the Bills and the Giants, and, and maybe a third. You know, you look at basketball, the Nets are basically a lock unless everything goes wrong. I think the Knicks could sneak in as a, as a you know, 8, 9, or 10. And then you've got the Islanders and Rangers that are, you know, hopeful to make the playoffs and hopeful to do more than that. So when was the last time we had a team from each sport make the playoffs in the same year. It's 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 awesome to watch. It really is. Yeah, really. Especially for, I mean, look, I know I'm the, the guy that makes the jokes now at this point. I don't even like to say it in, in, real, in reality about the Bills. You know, oh, they're a New York team. But let's be honest. Like, take them out of the picture. Like, that's what I think is most impressive because, you know, the New York City-based teams, like the Jets and the Giants, that's what really kind of held back the conversation because the Yankees are a team that make the playoffs basically every year. Um, the Nets recently have, even the Knicks have, but it's really, I'm really mo- a lot more impressed by the Giants and the Jets. And that's not to say the Bills didn't have a huge win yesterday, but like yesterday's Bills win will probably be one of the last ones that I'm overly excited for before the playoffs. Cause that was kind of the game, you know, that kind of sets them up for the rest of the season. But for the Jets and Giants, it's going to be a weekly basis. You know, can they sustain these wins and look so far they have, and it's really exciting. Luke, are you ready for my take? Do you want it now off the top? Wow, off rip. All right. So a lot of wins yesterday for New York sports. The Yankees, That's right. the Jets, the Giants, and the Bills. Out of those four, I think the least important win came from the Buffalo Bills. Wow. When I look at that game, and I look at the games that happened, the Jets for the first time beat a legitimate team. Say what you want about the Dolphins on their third string quarterback. Look, I'm not discounting those wins. You heard me last week. I was all in. But the Packers and Rodgers, you you can't – look, the Packers, I think they're not very good this year. But you can't – this is the team. You can't be like, hey, look, it's the Packers. They're the Packers. That's a good team. The Giants, they beat the Ravens, and that's another very good win. And now you're 5-1. That team's basically a shoe in to make the playoffs. If they don't make the playoffs, I'm disappointed. And the Yankees kept their season alive. We don't have to talk about that. When I look at the Bills – Yes, it's important to beat the Chiefs, but they beat the Chiefs last year, if I'm not mistaken. Like, they can beat the Chiefs in the regular season all they want. Much like the Yankees, none of it matters until the playoffs. When I look at the Bills, I put them on on pace with the Yankees, and if the Yankees went in and swept the Astros at some point this season, I wouldn't care. Because again, for the Yankees, it's all about the playoffs, and for the Bills, I think it's the same thing. The Bills have have built themselves up to be a playoff Super Bowl or bust team. So when they beat the Chiefs, it's a nice win. It's a very nice win. And it nearly ensures you home field advantage in the playoffs, which is important. 
But when you look at the team and what these teams needed, if they lost that game, I would not change how I feel about the Bills. They're still a very good team that hopefully can put it together in the playoffs. Well, you're wrong. That's just blatantly obvious. Um, I think, obviously, the Yankees are the most important because they kept their season alive. Uh, I think you can argue between the Jets and the Bills, but I don't think you can put the Giants' win on par with the Bills at I think all. that win solidifies if, if the, the Giants, Giants the playoffs. No, no I, I'm with you on your Bills' take win. If the Giants won or lost that game by four points, wouldn't have swayed me in either direction. It really wouldn't have. Like, it's a nice win, and they have to keep winning games, obviously, but the Bills' win was ultra-important for the thing that you, you threw in at the end as if it didn't matter. For home field advantage, every single playoffs they've had to go to Arrowhead and every single time they've lost, it really feels like, first of all, getting the number one seed and getting that bye, they now essentially have a two-game lead over Kansas City because they have the, the tiebreaker and they have the one-game advantage. And not to mention, they have never been the one seed. They've never gotten that bye. They've never gotten the extra week. They've never got to host back-to-back playoff games in this era. So to just dismiss that, I think, is is dumb. Like, I don't think it's – I understand, like – oh, it doesn't matter that you beat the Chiefs. But to me, it matters because I, I knew they could beat the Chiefs. But the fact that they can have home field now, I think is, is huge. I don't think you can just dismiss it when there's only one bye now in the NFL. But did you expect the Giants to beat the Ravens? No, you didn't. Like, to me, I, I, I and I'm not saying the Bills win doesn't matter. Like, that's an important win for that team. But for no, the, honestly, just throw the Bills out for the rest of the year at this point now because no other games are going to matter. I will. I don't think the Ravens so why, why matter talk for the about Bills. Them? Just like it doesn't it matter for the Chiefs. Like, these teams, any of those teams can win it without being the one seed. Like, I'm confident in saying that the Chiefs could beat the Bills on the road or at home, and I think the Bills could do the same thing with the Chiefs. It's going to be, it's going to come down to the playoffs for these teams. And for the the Giants, they've beaten a lot of teams very close, but you could poke holes in the resume. And now when you're 5-1 and and you're second in your division, this team's a playoff team. That win, in my eyes, has led the Giants to become a playoff team because you look at the schedule down the road and they can beat most of the teams on that, you know, down the road. They're a 10-win team at this point, and if you lose to the Ravens, maybe you take a step back and say, well, listen, you know, maybe they don't beat the Jaguars. Maybe the Jaguars get lucky. Listen, I think maybe they go 0-4 against the Eagles and the Cowboys. But with that win, I think it puts you a step above teams like the Cowboys and say, look, we can go toe-to-toe with them. And I texted you, you know, earlier today, I think the only team in the NFC that the Giants can't beat is the Eagles. And the fact they beat the Ravens helps me provide that point. I, I just don't get it because – so you're telling me that the Bills being able to – you know, Patrick Williams get the ball back with a minute left, down by four. Everyone's like, oh, my gosh, too much time. The Chiefs are going to go out and score. We've seen this story before. They intercept and they win the game. Like, you're telling me that doesn't matter at all. I think for, it's a very big win. It's a huge win, right? And, and I think – my only thing with this, with that game is kind of like the Yankees syndrome. It just doesn't matter to me until the playoffs for this team. And, and yes, you could say, well, if you lose that game. I think game, that was a playoff game, though. Can you really call a week six game a playoff game? home field advantage. I think you're dismissing home field advantage. I probably am. The Chiefs have won every single playoff game in their building. Like, it's a huge thing. And I think especially for this Bills team who they've had to go on the road every single – like, they haven't been able to host the big game. And when they host New England last year – they waxed them, and I don't think that's because of home field advantage. I think they're just a better team. But I think in this between these two teams, I think it does matter, and that's why I think it was such a big one. No one is – I'm sorry, but no one is sitting here on Monday morning 
talking about the Giants Ravens game off the rip. They're talking about the Bills game. They're not talking about Giants Ravens. Like I don't I just don't Well, think- I think you could say the Bills game was was a bigger magnitude game, but I think the way the Giants played like I'm sold on the Giants. That's a playoff team. Like that but weren't we sold on them last week? We literally went through and said we'd be surprised if they missed the playoffs. Yeah, but then they just they just beat a team that was a five and a half point favorite in their own building. I I began I I before the game, I said I wasn't going to be shocked if they beat the Ravens. Uh, what I the Ra- think, what though, are the Ravens? If, if I look at so let's let's spin it the other way. If the Bills lost this game against the Chiefs, there's still a path for them to be the one seed, in my opinion, because the Chiefs aren't going, you know, sixteen and one. Like they're probably going to lose three or four games this year, so it's up to the Bills to win the games that they couldn't. You know, like if the Bills run the table after the loss, they're probably winning. You know, getting the one seed. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm in, a, I'm in full disagreeance. I, I really – I think the Bills game showed, you know – But they won it last they year. They could win that type of game. Like, they won it last yeah, year. Yeah, but last year – no, but last year they blew the brakes off of them. There, It was never close. Right from the start, they came away with – you know, I think they were up by like 14 after the first. There was never even a question. They ended up winning the game by like 20. It never seemed to be in doubt. But this game played like the playoff game last year. They're down late. Josh Allen leads, leads them down the field. Oh, no, Mahomes got the ball back. They intercept him. The game's over. You know, they, you saw in action the new pieces you had. You saw Von Miller get to the quarterback multiple times. You saw Elon, the rookie corner, make a huge interception in the end zone in the first half on a throw that, yes, it was a dumb throw by Mahomes, but it seems like a throw that he gets away with all the time. So I think it showed that they can win this kind of game against the Chiefs, which they haven't. They've won the games where they've blown them out, but they haven't been able to win the close ones, especially on the road. Mahomes gets the ball, you know, a minute left. Everyone's saying, oh, my. Too much time left, and they win the game. That's what show. That's what what I took away. I mean, it's a huge win nonetheless, and I'm not trying to diminish that win. And you know, you kind of ask the question, Luke: Does this solidify them as the AFC's best? I think they're AFC's best. You know, the entire season so far, like the way this team's constructed has been masterful. And before we get into the nuts and bolts of the game, because that was a super exciting game, a game that you know Tony Romo predicted the the right score actually at the start of the game, calling it a 24-20 type of game, and for me, just might be out give Roma. credit to Brandon Bean and this team because it's hard to build a team that consistently wins. And obviously, it's it's young in the Bills era. But look at the Bengals and how they've struggled, right? Look at the Ravens and how they've struggled this year. You know, there's teams last year that made the playoffs. Talk about the Chargers if you want. There are teams that made the playoffs last year that are struggling to find their way. And for the Bills to come in, and yeah, it's been kind of tight in some of the games. Yeah, you lost to Miami, who... Maybe you want that win back. But let's not act like this team isn't one of, if not the best team in all of football. And it's not easy to do when you look at teams like Miami trying to find their way was supposed to be a hot pick in their three and three, right? Cincinnati's three and three. Cleveland's two and four. Las Vegas is one and four. Like, let's give credit to a team in Buffalo and, and the way they've constructed this roster that's not only around Josh Allen, but also the longevity of their success the last two, three years has been super impressive. Yeah, and I think their defense, too. I think that's a huge part of it. And, I mean, you could say the same, honestly, about the Chiefs. Like, they lost Tyreek Hill, and they didn't really – you know, they're obviously missing him, but they didn't skip a beat. They're still one of the best teams. And, I mean, if anything, this game showed me that I would be very surprised if it's not the Bills and the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. I mean, I know that the Bengals had their thing last year, and, you know, maybe the Chargers are a team that could be like that this year. I mean, they still haven't proven they can win these close games, but – you know, they've got the quarterback like a Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert that can kind of win you any game. They've got a lot of talent on offense. 
much like the Bengals. So there's always going to be that team that gets hot at the right time for sure. But I think I'd be pretty surprised if it's not Bill's Chiefs. And, you know, that, again, like you can throw out the rest of the regular season, like for sure. Like they're playing the Packers next and, you know, they'll probably blow the doors off the Packers. And, you know, they're, they're not playing a lot. They're playing a lot of divisional games, which I, I guess could be interesting. But I think at the end of the day, this was their biggest game on the regular season. And the fact that they're able to win this game and go into the bye at five and one with three, you know, maybe not so tough road games when you look at it, but beating the Rams, uh, the Ravens and the Chiefs on the road ahead of a, a very home happy second half of the because you said five and one. You're feeling pretty great. Yeah, this is not, you know, you didn't expect five and one from this team and they've done it really impressively. And to get back to your, your you know, the point of the AFC championship game, it's got to be these two teams, right? Like, who is that third best team in the division, in the conference at this point, right? Although, am I, am I crazy for saying, well, I guess I'm not, you're probably going to agree with me, but I'd be, I'd be more, way more shocked if the Bills aren't there than the Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, right now, if you want to talk about the Bills versus the Chiefs, the, the Bills have the path to get there right? Assuming they went out and, and they take destiny in their own hands and hold the one seed, like, which I guess goes back to your point of that game this weekend being super important, which it, it was, you know, you, you have a bye. It's a lot easier. You play less, you know, less games, obviously, and you're hoping to stay healthy. This is a really good Bills team, but I just look at the, the third team in the, in the conference. Is it the Titans? Is it the Ravens? Is it the Chargers? The Jets? Is it Indy? I'm not even going to say the Jets because that, that's a, a joke in its own right. You know what I mean? Like, Listen, that's a fun team and they're a spunky team, but I'm not going to say that just yet. But there's a lot. This, this, this conference, yeah. it's a two-team race at this point. And maybe a team gets hot like the Bengals did last year, but it feels like the Bills are on a mission this year, and it feels like Kansas City's defense is, is almost better than it was, you know, I guess couldn't get much worse than it was last year, but they've made some plays that maybe people didn't expect. Yeah, I mean, I think when it, we'll kind of transition this into the Jets as well. Like when I look at the AFC, it's like, okay, Maybe the Bengals could be the Bengals of last year. You know, maybe they'll they'll find something. Like, I can't see the the Bills or the Chiefs losing to the Titans. I can't see that. Or the or the Colts. Scratch them out. I don't think they could beat them. May, I think the Ravens could, on a great day, beat one of these teams. I think their defense is going to be the issue because it's got to get healthy Chiefs, though. Yeah. So that they could maybe. Um, but outside of that, the Chargers. I think they're the other team. But outside of them, I don't see the Bills or the Chiefs losing anyone else. But on that same vein, and talking about a weak AFC, that's where the Jets enter the chat because they're four and two now. They're the number one wild card, and I, I wrote this on the sheet. Was I wrong about the Jets? And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna completely back off the ledge I was on last week. Here's where I was wrong about the Jets. I will admit when I'm wrong. And look, that's what this show is. We spew things out, and if they're wrong, I'm gonna admit it. I'm not gonna pretend I didn't say it. I was way, I was wrong about the Jets' defense. That's what I was most wrong about because I was like, look. I love Sauce Gardner. I thought he was going to be good, but they get pressure on the quarterback and they have now the secondary to boot, especially with Sauce Gardner locking up one side of the field. That's where I was wrong because I thought, yeah, maybe the Jets will be an offense that can score, you know, 25 a game, but their defense is going to, is not going to be good. They're too young. They're too inexperienced, but man, Quinton Williams is a stud. Sauce Gardner is a stud. They have a great linebacking court. And aside from Quinton Williams to get to the quarterback, like, this defense, and I mean, you couple it with the special teams, honestly, with that block punt, that's what I was most wrong about. Because the offense, they still have the weapons and they still have the ability to score, don't get me wrong. But I was way, way more impressed with the defense, you know, to shut down Aaron Rodgers. And look, a Packers team that we're going to talk about, maybe not as great as people expected, but I don't care. It's the Packers, it's Lambeau Field. And a game that Sauce Gardner's talking about after, 
The Packers could have had a bye here, but they said, no, we'll come back. We'll play the Jets in this game. And the Jets gave it to them, especially on defense. And that's where I was most wrong about the Jets. Well, and I think the defense, while incredible, I'm going to kind of take the, the devil's advocate, I guess, in this side. Okay. Surprise. When you have no weapons like the Packers have, you know, wide receiver wise, like they're not beating you one on one. Like Randall Cobb's not getting separation on Sauce Gardner. You know, Romeo Dobbs isn't getting separation. I guess what isn't don't they have that kid Watson at a North Dakota State? He's not getting separation. Yeah, I think Mercedes so. Lewis isn't getting separation. Yeah, like so when you can play man and you only need one safety over the top, it's so easy to get pressure and to scheme blisses and to and to rush four or five guys. You know, five guys as opposed to four. And they didn't rush five a lot, but it made it easy to do the things they wanted to do when you don't have the weapons on the other side. But now to flip the script for the Jets, like this defense was was dominant. This wasn't the Jets taking advantage of, you know, this wasn't a spotty Jets defense just getting lucky and taking advantage of a team that couldn't really play well. Like this was a full-on throttling defensively. And the special teams to boot. Like special teams had a blocked field goal, had a defensive touchdown or a, or a special teams touchdown. Uh, what was it? On part return. And you want to talk about the Jets, you know, the, the game. Let's talk about the first half for a second here. First drive for Green Bay, three and out. Second drive for Green Bay, three and out. Third drive for Green Bay, five plays, and then you have to punt. The next drive, missed a field goal. They have to have punt, then a fumble, then turnover on downs. And then they finally made a field goal, you know, at the 10 and a half. Say what you want about the Jets' offense, and they got better as the game progressed. And it wasn't necessarily a special day from the offense, only 20 points. But the defense got it done. And that's complimentary football. This team is at its best when the defense is at strong point. In the history of this team, the Mark Sanchez era, you know, they were great when they had that defense. The New York Sack Exchange, great defense. So for this team to be good, it's got to start with the defense. And to some extent, for this team, maybe it's more sustainable to be good defensively and then let your offense play that complimentary football. You know, let Zach Wilson grow into what he needs to be. And, I mean, Brees Hall is just a stud. And you kind of touched on it, Luke. Just, it's so fun to watch him run the ball. And the fact that they can run the ball 33 times and still win a game and only need 18 attempts from Zach Wilson is just that that's how you win football if you're the Jets. You throw it 18 times and you're good. Yeah, and I think what, you know, we didn't even touch on yet, and I thought it was more impressive, they checked on the Packers run game. And I know, you know, there's a lot of questions with LaFleur, why is Aaron Jones not getting any touches in the first half? But still, to hold AJ Dillon and, and Aaron Jones to 19 carries for 20 yards is is still pretty impressive. And that that's the big question for me right now. And you know, when their defense plays well, I think they can they can be in any game. They can win basically any game. But the question is going to be, you know, we've seen Zach Wilson come back, so I'm not going to say they can't come back from deficits. But you know, it seems like since Zach Wilson took over and three and this oh, isn't by the me way. saying yes, three and zero. Oh, but this isn't me saying like, oh, what's happening? But you know, Garrett Wilson, I, interesting. You know, one catch for eight yards. He, he did have five targets, but he wasn't really involved in the offense. Uh, What's his name? Elijah Moore. <laughs> That's his name. I forgot his name because he's, he's so irrelevant. He gets no targets. He's kind of tweeting after the game, which I thought was a bit problematic. So, you know, that's the thing for me is, you know, Brees Hall has been awesome. Garrett Wilson, we know, can be awesome. But, you know, are we going to see the Jets and Zach Wilson get the ball to these guys? Or is it going to be one of these times where it's like, okay, if we run, we can win. But what happens if Zach Wilson has to air it out? Uh, if you want to talk about last week, you know, uh, 
Garrett Wilson had three receptions for 20, 27 yards against uh, – I mean, Garrett Wilson was also up against uh, Jair Alexander, who's one of the top corners in the league. Right, yeah. And, and, and a, you're not going to get a lot of touches. You're not going to get a lot of receptions when you're only throwing the ball 18 times, right? Even if you divide yeah. that up amongst the top receivers, you know, 18 attempts across, let's say, three guys, right? Davis – Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore, and I'm not even counting the tight ends who had the bulk of the receptions. That's only six. The bulk teams three combined, right? That's only six attempts to each guy. So, like, I don't know. Like, the Jets didn't need to throw the ball, so we can say, "Hey," Agreed. and maybe that's a question. But if you want to talk about the Steelers game, you know, in a couple weeks back, he threw the ball 36 times and had 18 completions, and Elijah Moore had three receptions and. Garrett Wilson had two, and Corey Davis had five in that game. So, it's look, it's winning football regardless, right? And, and yes, maybe you ask, can the defense sustain against the better teams like Buffalo, like Minnesota? You know, not not that Detroit's a good team, but they've got a great offense. Can they sustain against that? You know, that's something I'll entertain. But for right now, they're easing Zach Wilson into the game. They're not making him do too much. And isn't that what you want if you're the Jets? You don't want Zach Wilson doing too much. You don't want him biting off more than he can chew. Because if he does that, maybe he gets knocked around a little more. Maybe he's throwing a couple interceptions he shouldn't throw. And rather than than learning and slowly progressing into the offense, he's just overwhelmed. And you kind of saw that with Sam Darnold, right? When Sam Darnold was the quarterback for this team, he had nothing around him and he struggled. Now Zach Wilson's got some pieces around him and maybe he's not playing well necessarily, but when you're winning football games, that's all that matters. Yeah, again, it's hard to to truly critique a team when, you know, they're they just blew out the Packers. So I'm not trying to say Zach Wilson can't throw the ball, but you know, we'll see. We'll see in a game where he has to air it out. I mean I don't know. But it's when's the next sense. time he's gonna have to air I, it, out it's the a, ball? Is he gonna have to air it out against the uh uh where are we? Against the Broncos? Bron- no. The Patriots? Probably not. The Bills, I guess, is your next chance. But if if the Jets want to beat the Bills, you've got to run the ball down their throats. And the Bills have a great defense, and it's hard to do, but you want to keep the ball away from Josh Allen. Zach Wilson's not going throw for throw with Josh Allen. So maybe the Jets will never have to try to out-throw another team. I, I guess the question is, if you're down by two scores in the fourth quarter and it's eight minutes left, you're not running the ball. You're going to have to pass it. But the, the Jets' best quarter all, all season long has been the fourth quarter. So we'll kind of, cr- for me at least, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Because now you're taking it, Luke, a step farther from hey, they can beat the game, the other teams, when they're playing their game. We've never heard that before in the last, you know, five, six years. We've yeah, We've never exactly. talked about that, you and I. So the fact that you've been saying, hey, can they beat another team when they throw the ball down the field kind of excites me because, hey, like, we're talking about beating teams in other ways. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, I agree. I'm not trying to rain on the parade. And I won't. I'm not going to rain on the parade. I Look, I'm, they looked really good yesterday. And you said, you know, 2-1 this next stretch. I'd be surprised if they don't. Really, so you're that point already. The Patriots. Well, I mean, after they looked against the Packers, like the Broncos kind of have a similar offense where it's like great quarterback weapons have been lacking. He's been lacking. The Patriots, they can beat the Patriots at home, right? They they better. I mean, if you want to be a Patriots, play a very similar brand to them where it's don't make your quarterback, don't let your quarterback make mistakes, run the ball well, play good defense. Like that's a game the Jets can win. If, if you're the Jets and you want to make the playoffs this year, which I guess is their goal, you can't lose at home to the Patriots. You've got to at least split with them. And, and right now, call me crazy if you think I am, I think the Patriots are scarier to the Jets than the Dolphins are at this point because you've got two games, because you can go 0-2 against them and you know lose the tiebreaker against them. And, and frankly, like 
The Dolphins, they just they've lost three games without Tua. I don't know what Tua is going to look like when he comes back, and and how discouraged is this team after their hot start? Yeah, no, I agree. I think the Patriots are the bigger threat now, and I, I still don't think they're like I still think the Jets will be in both those games. Though. Like I, I don't, but you know, you can definitely foresee a but split, it's the or you factor. can see, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's. I was trying to see the text. I forget the number that I sent you. I said. I said the Jets will be seven and six with four games to go, with four winnable games against the Lions, the Jaguars, the Seahawks, and the Dolphins. That was what I said. So I said they would win three more games from this point on. I think they'll win one out of the next two. I think they'll win if they lose that first Patriots game. I think they'll win the second, and I think they'll beat the Bears, and I think they'll lose to the Bills twice. So that that have them right now at seven and six against four winnable teams: the Lions, the Jaguars, the Seahawks, and the Dolphins. But four teams that can also give you a little run right. for your money. You probably so have to win out at that point if you want to make the playoffs, right? Do you think the, the last think, wild card spot's an 11 win nine? team? Nine? No, no, You think no, nine? I don't think nine. Yeah, nine. But, but look at three all the teams that are bunched spot? up in that three and three range. Like, it, they already have three losses. You think all those teams are only going to lose two more games the rest of the year? Or three more, I guess? They've already lost three. I guess not because there's so many of them at that point, right? Like the Chargers, I think they go to four and two this week. That's a team that scares me, you know. Indy, does Indy scare you? I, I guess not, not really. but like, can they squeak out I some mean, wins? Maybe in a, in a schedule that's slightly more favorable, you know, because that division's bad. Like you can win, and I guess they've already I mean, played the two games against Jacksonville, so it's not as bad. Last specs. year, last year the Steelers got the last wild card spot at nine seven and one. Oh, that is bad. Maybe you're right. And the Patriots and the Raiders were both ten and seven with the other wild cards. So I think you want, I think I want ten wins. You don't need. I don't think nine yeah, want to do it. I think it's got to be ten. I think I think a team will get in with nine wins. I don't. Seat. I don't. I don't want to rely on it though. If, I, if I'm sitting here for the Jets and this is a team that I don't know what they're going to be, I'd much rather see ten wins. You know, than look so nine wins to, win to me is a victory on the season because you're above five hundred. But if you're yeah, talking playoffs, course. then I think you got to get to ten. And it's it's about can you surprise Minnesota, right? Can you steal a game against the Bills? Maybe. I don't know. You've got to beat the Jaguars for sure because they're probably going to be a team fighting for a wild card spot. You know, that's seven spot. You've got to beat – if you beat Denver, I think Denver season's over unless they win yeah. tonight, which I'm banking on them not. Which they can't. For I you. need the Chargers at four and a half. Man. <laughs> this is a huge game uh, tonight. What's so annoying In this is – This game – actually, you know what, Matt? I'll, I'll go a step further. This – tonight might determine your season for the picks. I'm unless already, you think it's already I already over. think I'm going to lose because every, every okay. week I have a good season, you're right there with me. Or every week I have a good slate of picture well, right there. If with you me. if you win, we'll both be five and one. But if you lose three and three, like that's a two game swing yeah, right there. That that's a tough swing. But can we just talk about when I texted you yesterday about the uh, the Eagles game and I, and you had yeah. the uh, you had the, the Cowboys Ultimate plus six and a half. And I said, man, I can't believe you're going six and zero. Oh. And you're like, what are you talking about? And I was like, the Eagles, because I genuinely believe that Dallas would at least get a field goal to cut it to uh to six, and they missed the field goal. Oh yeah. Felt so good. Awful. Oh, tremendous. It felt so good. I needed Awful. it. I needed it. Um, let's move, let's talk baseball, though. Um, maybe we'll touch on the Giants a little bit, but we're already kind of up against it. We kind of talked about it from the beginning. But I, I really want to talk about the Yankees because, I mean, they're, they're a talk of the town today. Game five tonight against the Guardians. It'll be Jamison Tyone for the Yankees against Aaron Savali for the Guardians. Advantage there goes to the Yankees. I mean, Tyone, yes, he's been up and down, but. 14 and 5, they score a lot of runs for him. 9 uh 391 ERA. Savali just 5 and 6 on the year with a 492, but it feels like this game is probably 
going to come down to the bowl. Tyone gives you a great, great start. I don't know. The leash is going to be so short that if he's in like the fourth inning and gives up a couple base runners, that might be it for him. Or, you know, even two, three innings. Um, and look, Cleveland's bullpen, very well rested. Didn't have to pitch Class A yesterday. Didn't have to pitch Karen Shack yesterday. The Yankees, you know, they were able to keep Jonathan Loizaga uh, available for tonight. Holmes, Boone said, doesn't want to pitch him two games in a row, but if you can't pitch him two games in a row, you might be in trouble. Peralta has pitched, I think, the last three days, um, but I still think he's going to be available because it's going to be all hands on deck. But massive win yesterday. Garrett Cole goes out and shoves, setting up a really interesting game five tonight. Luke, the, the rest of Yankees Nation, and I'm not counting you, we have to apologize to Garrett Cole. I have to yes. apologize to Garrett Cole because I was very low on him at the start of the year and throughout the season. So, Garrett, I'm sorry. I, I never thought you were that bad. But, I mean, this is not what I expected. Like, this is what you needed from your ace. And it's a good team to do it against, right? Garrett Cole struggles, against, you know, keeping the ball in the park. And the the Guardians can't do it. They can't get the ball out of the park. And, and they've had a... They've tagged him for a couple home runs here and there, but they were solo shots, and that was so important for this team. And, and, and Luke, I want to talk about Wandy Peralta, because how do you pitch him enough more? Like, how do you pitch him for game five? I, I just I know. I, I can't understand it, because you don't even like when you're pitching guys three straight games. Now you're thinking four, and I don't think he well, threw a lot of pitches. I think is... he was at the most he's pitched in the last three games was Saturday with 27. But, like, that's a, that's a lot of pitches. He's pitched every single game this, this uh, series. I mean, say what you want, and I know you don't like to believe in things like this, but the Yankees' only lefty is Wandy Peralta. And maybe Nestor Cortez hops into this role tonight, but there's a stretch in the Guardians lineup. They do not hit lefties, and it's been true this entire series. Wandy mowed down that last inning, which it's Josh Naylor, it's Andres Jimenez, and it's Jose Ramirez, who from the right side does not have the power he has from the left. You can say it doesn't matter. It obviously matters because they do struggle against lefties, especially guys like Naylor, big power guys, love to see the ball to the right hand. That's why I think he's going to have to be available for that stretch. And that's why Aroldis Chapman going off the grid and also just not being good this year really hurts you because, yeah, you have Lucas Litke, but it seems like they only trust Wandy Peralta in these types of situations. So it's kind of an interesting dynamic, but I, I mean, maybe you can slide Nestor in there, but Wandy seems to have figured those guys out. I don't want to see Nestor in this game. I, I don't. And, and look, I'm an idiot for thinking to the, to the ALCS. But if you don't have Cortez in the ALCS game one, and I don't think you're pitching Severino at that point, because that's only a handful of days rest, you're in trouble for that series against the Astros. And I know you have to get there, but can we get there without using Nestor Cortez? Like, can we... You'd like is, to. Is, is, our, is the bullpen that bad that you can't figure it out without using that Nestor Cortez? Like, we can't go Tyone to Herman for six innings or seven innings between those two guys, give Wandy one of the innings and then either Loizaga or, or I guess Clay Holmes, which for another part, part or point, if you pitch Clay Holmes in game five, for me, that's a huge problem because what, how it changed from today versus this weekend that now all of a sudden he can pitch two days in a row. Well, Every game is must win in the playoffs. I'm sorry. You no, can't lose that game on, on Saturday because you don't want to pitch Clay Holmes two days in a row. And if you're going to do it now, that's even more inexcusable because you've taxed, taxed your bullpen even farther. So I just – I don't understand – I understand not being able to pitch him two days in a row. What I don't understand is now turning around and doing it again today and pitching him today because he could have done it on Saturday. 
Well, the question is, was Saturday an emergency? But Which I would say, The, yes. the line that I heard from him when I was listening, and I didn't hear the emergency part. I heard when they asked him, would you pitch Clay Holmes in, in back-to-back games? He basically said, listen, part of the reason for him coming back or part of the kind of Part of the, the worry was we can't pitch him two days in a row. That's what I heard. That's what I took out of the soundbite that I heard. So what's changed? Well, I got to be completely I got to be completely honest, and I agree with you. I I genuinely don't think he's healthy. Yeah. Like I like even yesterday, like you could see in the first game he pitched against Guardians, he plunked the first guy. And this time it was a walk. Yes, he got two strikeouts. Jose Ramirez swung at a pitch that was three feet in front of the plate. Like his control, I think is is not there right now, and I think it's because of the shoulder injury. And I think that's the worry. But it, it was crazy to me. When Clark Schmidt came into that game and Wandy Peralta started the ninth in game three, that to me was like, oh, my. That, that was panic. And I was like, all right, you have to go to Holmes here. They didn't. And look, they probably could have won yesterday without Clay Holmes. If they pitched him game three and instead had Loisega in his spot last night, I still think they would have won the game. So that to me, I think you can criticize Boone for. Like, it's hard sometimes to have a tangible thing to get mad at a manager at these days. But bullpen management is the crux of a manager's job. And I thought Boone did a poor job in game three and look, it might work out where they win game five, but like you said, every game's a must win. And they probably could have won that game if they threw Clay Holmes instead of a combination of Peralta and Clark Schmidt, who's just, he's just not been in those moments before. Yeah. I just, I don't love it, but now this is, this is a game that the Yankees need to wallop the guardians. Like yeah. Aaron judge has got to like show a up. five run for Aaron judge has got to do something. In this game, I'm sorry. He's a great player. He's the MVP of the league, but like, and I'm not going to say, oh, he's not worth the money if he if he struggles in this game because it's a small sample size compared to the rest of his career. And it's no question I'm taking. You know, I expect him to be what he was the rest of his career. But you, you got to give me something if you're Aaron Judge. It's got to be more than offers and in a single, an infield single. That's all we can muster up. Like in this series, I'm just going to pull up the stats real quickly. I don't think Aaron Judge has more than two hits. Let's see. He's got two hits in the, in this series. He's batting 125. You gotta be better than that. I'm sorry. Like Harrison Bader's carrying this team right now. It's Harrison Bader and it's Anthony Rizzo carrying this team right now. Aaron Judge has got to be better. Um, the other thing, the other thing I want to talk about before we get to Odd Man, I what, I just know what you're gonna say. Smirk? What am I gonna, gonna say? Yell about Jordan Montgomery. No, no, okay, no, 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 no. I, I won't even do that. I won't even do that. It was, you know, what's funny when you said the Yankees could use Joe Montgomery today. It wasn't completely wrong because, like, they could use a lefty starter today for sure. But um, I, I agree though. I think the Yankees need to jump early. Like, they need five runs early because, like, if they go late in this game tied, I'm, I'm not feeling confident. Like a low scoring bullpen takeover game, the Guardians have the advantage. You need to jump Savali early, who hasn't pitched in I think two weeks now at this point. That's going to be the key. But what I was going to say is, how do we feel about the Yankees kind of admitting they were wrong about IKF, but not until their backs were against the wall? Like, it took until an elimination game for them to put Oswald, uh, Oswaldo Cabrera at short, to put Aaron Hicks into the field, because IKF just hasn't been good at shortstop all year. Like, is that a knock at all against Boone and, and Cashman for sticking to their guns for this long? I, I don't know. I mean, would you expect Oswaldo Cabrera to play shortstop in – in like July, like, is that what people were calling for? No, like Cabrera kind of became what he is now late in the season. And, you know, talk about IKF defensively. He, he struggled. And I, you know, I, I couldn't watch the games close enough to tell you if between game one, two and three, if game one was bad enough to 
pull him out. If game two was bad enough to pull him out, or if it was finally game three that kind of broke the camel's back. But he's hitting 273 in the playoffs, right? Yeah, I mean, he's doing – yeah, he's hitting – he's doing – he, that's what he's supposed to do, right? He hits singles and play good defense. But if you're not playing good defense, right. the singles How kind of How bad was the, the defense? Because, again, I'm, I wasn't totally locked in on, on the Yankees these, this playoff series. It, it, it was bad. I think it cost them probably about – there are three plays, I think, in the first three games that he should have made they didn't. But also, in his defense, in game three, he goes out and makes that slide and play in the outfield that kept the bases loaded for Cleveland. If he didn't make that stop, Cleveland wins the game right there, but instead they had the chance. I mean, they had two strikes on the last batter. Um, but, yeah, IKF all year, his arm's been a problem. It's it's a lot weaker than most shortstops, which you've heard Ron Darling talk about on the broadcast. But also he's, he's bobbling balls. He's mishandling things. So, you know, on a team that has kind of made a sense of identity, your shortstop needs to be good defensively. And, and I know Cabrera hasn't played a ton there at the major league level, but what he's shown in the minors is that he, I mean, that's his position. Like he's, he's transitioned into every other position, but his main position is shortstop. So I think it makes a lot of sense, especially, you know, the, the way things worked out. I said yesterday, I would have thought about DH and Carpenter over Stanton. Like I know Stanton hit the big home run in that was game two. They ended up losing it, but you know, he's really struggled to play. And I don't know what Carpenter can really be. We've only seen him in one at bat, but I don't know. It's it's tough decisions when it when it's crunch time. And I know you want Carpenter off the bench, but you know Stanton can be in a similar situation off the bench. Although he does struggle in those situations, so it, it's so much micromanaging. Like this is a big series, I think, for Aaron Boone too. Just with all these small decisions. Right. I have one last question for you before we before we, you take us wherever you want to go. Do you think now that they pull IKF that Peraza should have been in the uh, in the the ALDS roster because we talked about it when it first happened that Peraza wasn't there and. Look, I didn't think we had to get to this point. I didn't think the last guy on your, you know, on your roster necessarily matters that much. But do you see a change now that you're playing Cabrera there and then you're having to put Hicks out in the outfield? Yeah, I think I'll 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 take the L on that one. I was wrong. I didn't think it would matter who made the roster between those two, but look, Gonzalez hasn't played at all. And I think Peraza might have played given these circumstances. Um I know the Yankees I think the Yankees deep down still think that Aaron Hicks can give them that big home run every once in a while. I mean, they, he they, seems he gave him a decent walk in, in the game. Yeah, I mean, what Peraza is going to give you is kind of IKF with a little more power. Like he's got a little more power, but he's supposed to be a, a defensive guy that contact hitter, not really going to give you a ton of power. Very similar, but yeah, I think it, it probably would have helped to have him, especially if you have to make some you know late game adjustments for sure. Yeah, and then Hicks just apparently Hicks just forgot how to run. Last night again, I was wasn't super Rizzo dialed in. Too. I also can't analyze like Aaron Hicks out there in in the outfield. Like I'm not gonna yeah, stare at Aaron Hicks the entire game, but it, every single ball has found grass that the Guardians hit. It's crazy. It's crazy. We gotta stop shifting. I mean, th- that bloop that they yeah. had last night was was the shift, right? Like it's happened like four times in that exact spot. So like we've gotta the Yankees have to figure out some sort of alignment where you can get to that ball. And, and frankly, I think the outfield needs to get to that ball. Like, it's so much harder to yeah. run backwards than it is forwards in 100%. baseball. And if you just call off Donaldson or whoever the infielder is and yell, I'm getting this, like, then you're not going to have an issue of running into each other, which I think slows the guys down a bit. Yeah, Hicks, I thought, should have made that play. You should have called him off early. But by the time Donaldson was back, he uh, he got apprehensive. Ball drops in. Like, those are big plays that can decide series. So they've got to figure that out for game five. Uh, I'm going to hand it to you for odd, man. I know we didn't really go into the Giants a lot, but – you know, we'll talk about them more on Thursday or, or whatever. Even if you want to talk about them, man, you can. But 
you know, we, we've already ran a little long, so I'll hand it over to you for yeah. Well, I'll start you with a little trivia question, Luke. Okay. There's a handful of teams that have three losses this year. Uh, a couple of good teams, actually, too. A lot of good teams. The Bucks, the Rams, the Bengals, the Dolphins, the Patriots, the Falcons, the Packers, the Niners, and the Ravens. Do you want to take a guess at who, out of those three, those three lost teams, who has the fewest total seconds of trailing in those losses? Of trailing? Yeah. So they've lost three games. Tally up the amount of time they've trailed in those three games. Okay, I'm going to guess... I'm trying to think. I think Tampa Bay is going to be up there because I think they beat the Cowboys basically pillar to post, but they've had a couple well, of no, it's only I'm in their say, losses. Oh, only in yeah, their losses. Yeah, only in three games. For the lead, I'm going to say the Falcons, actually. They've had a lot of close games. So they're fourth fewest with 5,383 seconds. I don't know what that is in minutes. Is don't it, ask me. Is it the Seattle Seahawks? No, they are 6,100 seconds. The lowest is the Baltimore okay. Ravens. Okay, that, that that's with a hundred and twenty seconds of trailing in their three wow. losses. Wow, they have trailed for a total of two minutes. Two minutes. The next fewest is the 49ers. So one hundred and twenty seconds for the Ravens. The 49ers, three thousand six hundred and forty-four seconds. Yeah, I guess the Ravens should have known because they blew a, hu- a huge lead against the Dolphins, where they were winning almost. And then the Bills game they blew, and then the Giants game I'm gonna they blew. I'm going to hold so my that's, phone up to the crazy. screen so you can see it on Twitch. And, and Luke, you can see it too. Just look at the pie chart. Wow. Look at the line wow. graph. They're all the way at the bottom. You can barely see it. Wow. Unbelievable. That's wow, incredible. Unbelievable. I love that graph. Like, woo. All right. Uh, speaking crazy. of the Bucks, they lose to the Steelers in a hard game 20 to 18. And this is after Tom Brady misses the walkthroughs on Saturday to attend a surprise wedding. Of one Robert Kraft. Yeah, you know who didn't go to the wedding? Bill he's, he's deep in the film room. Yeah, by the way, do we really think Bill Belichick didn't go because of uh, to prepare for the Browns, or do we think uh, that relationship maybe a little maybe a little cracks in the foundation? How is he still the coach if if they hate? He's each just other? so good. I think he's just so good that they just agree to just not as GM, not interact, not as GM. That's true. I don't know. He's drafted Bailey Zappa. Zappa. Oh, yeah. Great, great quarterback. Um, do you feel the bad for Tom Bowles at all? Having to, like, deal with this Tom Brady missing, like, every Wednesday practice and not really being fully invested? I think I do because that's a tough spot for Bowles to be in a guy that, you know, he wasn't awful with the Jets. Like, you know, he had a couple of years where, you know, the, the Fitzpatrick game where they could have made the playoffs, things like that. But, like, to have to have a press conference every week explaining where Tom Brady is has to be just a lot to deal with. And, and not to mention, if Brady's not at practice, like that, that has to hurt a little bit. It, so he did miss walkthrough of meetings, but the, de- the the offense hasn't been clicking all season long. If you're a leader, shouldn't you be practicing on Wednesdays? Like, if, like, this is Tom Brady we're talking about. This isn't like it's Aaron Rodgers who goes MIA every five minutes. Like, this <laughs> is the dude that, that legitimately like almost lost his marriage if he hasn't already because of football. So, like, for him yeah, to not and, be all in this year, it just feels very strange in his actions. Maybe not his words, but his actions. Missing Wednesday practices, you know, going to a wedding, which, look, it's hard to miss. Honestly, I, I think that's on whoever organized this surprise wedding. Yeah, that's a cl- 
clock surprise. Apparently, it was a surprise wedding. I don't know if it was a surprise what does that to mean? Kraft or his Who's wife surprised? or his guests, but they termed it a surprise wedding. Okay, first of all, that deserves like a deep dive, and second of all, Robert Kraft, a football guy, is getting married on a in the fall. Like that doesn't make sense. At least do it during like the the Patriots bye week if you're going to do something. Matt, rank these. We talked about ranking the wins. One year anniversary, Bills win, Yankees win. Where 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 would I? Where should I power? Rank? I mean, that I think your important. anniversary should be one. Okay, because it's the first year. Fair. I think the Yankees should be two, and I think it should be the uh, che- the Bills three. Although you almost gave your dog whiplash by that celebration. <laughs> you think? Poor that Bruno was, was, was that a bad? You were jumping up and down, with Bruno in your arms, and that 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 poor dog's head was going back and forth like like he was on a roller coaster. He's past like the infant stage where he like he can't hold his own neck. I think he's good now. I think he can. He can I think we need concussion but... protocol to come in and check him out. Yeah, he he might be concussed, but from other other things than that. Um, I, I does he run into walls? It's funny though. Uh no, but sometimes you know he does bang his head every once in a while. Fair enough. Tugging on my foot. Where, where do you rank those three moments? I'd rank them the same, but I I want to be funny and be like, yeah, you know, I'd probably flip one. Not gonna say which one, but no, that was on. I I said, you know, I, and actually, my brother asked me and my dad this. He said, uh, "Would you would you take a Bills loss for the Yankees win?" I was like, "Yeah, absolutely. I mean, no question about it." So, Yankees definitely most important out of the sports things. Um, but yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll take the anniversary number one. Happy wife, happy life. Yes, uh, I'm sure she was very happy with her athletes' dinner last night. Yeah, you know what? Bad guy. <laughs> but that's our style. You know, if you want to be the fancy Watling British man, that's fine. Like I literally said when we were in Buffalo, I was like, "Do you want to go out for like a nice steak? You know, get dressed up." No, let's get some wings. Like, you're gonna complain about that, really? But I also think you guys enjoy the nice steak occasionally. Yeah, of course we do. And you know what? She had chicken and shrimp. So that's a lovely meal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're such no, a bad it's guy. Because listen, like, for for minors, we celebrate like two days early. You don't have to go on the exact date. So I'm sure you'll take her right, out to a nice no. dinner next weekend for the bye week. You know, really live it up a little bit. Yeah. If Ash hears me, Maybe. trying to do you solid. But uh, let's get to the let's get back to our main rush. Our podcast is a rumor to her, by the way. Is it really? Yeah, just a rumor. Wow. Maybe maybe I'll just send her this this bit, and she'll be like, "All right, so Luke, where are you taking me?" Uh, yeah, maybe the Cardinals they trade for Robbie Anderson after the Hollywood Brown foot injury, and after Robbie Anderson was uh, sent to the locker room by his head coach Steve Wilkes. Wilkes said, "Nobody is bigger than the team." I'm not going to focus on it and put a lot of attention on one individual. Um, it's time for the Panthers to like just explode the team, isn't it? Like trade everybody <laughs> and do a hard reset because it's not working. Who's in a, a worse spot, the Panthers or the Cardinals? The Cardinals. Like, realistically. The Panthers were supposed to be bad this year. Like Same. It was, a, it was yeah. a, a prayer. It was a Hail Mary if Baker Mayfield could do something for this team. And he's been worse than I expected. I mean, that's bad. I don't know if it's because he didn't spend a lot of time you know, on the team, but, you know, during the offseason, or if he's just kind of in his own head or something, like, but it's bad. At least the Panthers have the hope of, if you get the number one pick or the number two, like Bryce Young and CJ Stroud are there. There's some hope there. You're getting a new head coach in. You were supposed to be bad this year. Like, if you're the Cardinals, Cliff King's very clearly not a good coach. By the way, he's below 500 in college and the NFL. He just keeps kind of failing upwards. And then you have Kyler, who you just gave a huge contract to, and he's been bad this year. Like, there's there's not a lot of hope there when you have a head coach that you probably don't believe in and a quarterback that I'm not going to completely throw away, but, I mean, he's never really looked 
elite at the NFL level. No, he's never put a full season together, and they haven't scored 30 points yet. They've only hit uh, you know 400 yards or more once this season. They scored three points as an offense. The other six came on a defensive <laughs> touchdown, and you lost outright to, what was it, Seattle? Yeah, Seattle. That's a tough loss, man. 19-9. to nine. That's a tough loss. I was going to send you a, a list of teams that are on my no-bet list, but I didn't really want to bother you this morning. And the Cardinals are right there. The Panthers are right there. The Bucks are right there, and I think the one other team was like, uh, who else was it? Maybe like Dallas or something. No, it wasn't Dallas. Another one of those teams like that. It Falcons, must have been. It Falcons must have been um, Green Bay was on that list. Falcons are going for the NFL record of most spreads covered through seven weeks. Well, they're six and zero, oh, baby. And you know what the wild part is? All the other teams on that list are teams that finished like undefeated or like one loss, two loss. Like they're three and yeah. three, but six and zero oh against the spread. It's unprecedented. It's, awesome. it's it's so great. Uh. We'll take two more things here. We'll start with Cooper Rush, and, and that was the dumbest quarterback controversy of all time. That was, like, worse Moronic. than the Joe Flacco-Zach Wilson debate because this is a guy that, that won because of his defense. And, look, he did the job. They're 4-2. You'll take that Zach if you're the Wilson Cowboys. Method. But you're not winning a championship with Cooper Rush. The pressure that it puts on every other player on that team is immense, and it's astonishing to me. It's borderline flabbergasting that somebody would think that Cooper Rush should be the quarterback compared to Dak Prescott when he's finally healthy. And it seems like he's going to be healthy for next week. Yeah, it's the, it's the Zach Wilson method, right? Let your defense win you games, go 10 of 18 for 100 yards. It's how the Jets win. But the Jets won it, baby. Like, they're winning. They're 4-2, and two too. <laughs> I know, the same record. Same record. But the Cowboys the are same. also a team that wants to win a championship, not, you know, win seven games. I know. I'm just – I'm busting your chops. But, yeah, with – with Cooper Rush, like, they were beating the Rams by, like, 14. Everyone's like, oh, my gosh. And it's like, well, all you have to do is open the box score. You don't have to watch the game. You could just open the box score and see, like, their defense is great. And Cooper Rush is – he was playing mistake-free football for the most part, which was huge. And then you see what happened last night. I mean, it's yeah. just – you, you got to get Dak back, especially this in this division now with three potential playoff teams. You got to get him back. 18 of 38, 180 yards, a touchdown, three picks for one Cooper Rush last night. Glad to see this Oof. attempt, this this transition to another mid-link quarterback is you, for the Cowboys. I'm going to say this. You hate backup quarterbacks. Not really. You despot. You hate Taylor Heineke. Well, he, no, you no. I hate the over. I hate overhyping backup quarterbacks. That's the issue. Yeah, but I think the, the take of Taylor Heineke being better than Sam Darnold might actually be true. It might. It might. <laughs> I don't know if Sam Darnold's doing that with the Washington, but also like to to. I mean, Heineke's about to be a starter again. By the way, Carson Wentz four to six weeks. But Heineke, like you're not opening the full playbook for him. Like you're keeping it pretty trim, pretty slim for Sam Darnold. Yeah, you know, know you can't afford to do that. So I don't know. You open that up, baby. You got to open it up. I'll ask you this: Do you think Sam Darnold starts a game for Carolina this yes. year? Yes. Yes. Baker Mayfield Dunzo. PJ Walker's okay. hurt. Uh, oh, let me see who, who was their quarterback last yesterday when when uh, PJ got out. It was uh, it was the dude. Oh my gosh, it's escaping me. He was on the Colts. Eason, Jacob Eason from uh, Washington. Right. Like Jacob yeah. Eason's gonna be your guy. Sam no. Donald's the handoff is the dump off king. So just have him throw it to McCaffrey every every play, and you're fine. Do you sit McCaffrey if you're the Panthers? No. You trade him, yeah, but you're not so gonna don't. sit him. He had 75% of their total yards yesterday. That's the only way you can <laughs> win and you want to show him off, no? No, you do, but you also don't want him to get hurt and completely tank his value. Oh, so you can't thing. get a second-round pick out of him? Oh, well. I mean, look, Robbie Anderson probably could have gotten the fifth, and now he's gotten the sixth and the seventh. Is that what it was, the sixth and the seventh? 
Yeah, I, I was just curious. I wonder how much the value dropped. If, I would take if a at six all, and seven over a five, though. Okay, but I'm saying, like, you know, maybe they could have got, like, a four. I don't know what Robbie Anderson's value is. Another guy that because it, it makes sense from. though for the for the Cardinals because Hollywood Brown's probably out for the year. You need another guy and to take the top off the defense. Threat. Yeah, Hopkins comes back. We'll see. We'll see how Kinda he goes. Like Cardinals on Thursday. I'll say that a little preview. All right, final story of the week, and this is one that's that's twofold. So it's a little two and one for you. Tennessee takes down Alabama fifty-two forty-nine on a last-second forty-yard field goal from Chase McGrath. That's a nice field goal for him because forty yards is not too easy in college. Tennessee basically dominated the entire first half. And, and my biggest takeaway from this is I was thinking before, maybe you could say, oh, well, Bryce Young is hurt. Like, they're not supposed to win with an injured Bryce Young. But he put up 49 points. You can't, if you're the, the Alabama defense, give up 52 points and expect anything good to happen. Yeah, it was bad. And, yeah, that's the big thing is, like, the Alabama defense. I, I get it. Like, defense is is very hard in college, to be completely honest. Like, it especially with these offenses and to get, you know, 11 guys on the same page. But when you're Alabama, like you have 11 guys and like 10 of them are going to be in the NFL. Like that's, that's pretty bad. And I mean, I didn't hooker put up some crazy numbers, but Jalen, uh, or who was it for, for Tennessee? Who? Oh, it was uh, Jalen Hyatt. That's his name. I almost said Jalen, Wright. That's a running back. Six catches, 207 yards, five touchdowns. That's insane. That's a crazy line. That's a crazy line. That's peak college football line. But, like, that's a college football oh, line yeah. you expect when it's, like, Tennessee taking on, like, Ole Miss, who's actually U- good this year. UT Martin. UT Martin. Right. Isn't Ole Miss okay? Weeks. Yeah, Ole Miss number six in the country right. right now. So, Bama drops to, I think, nine, was it? And Tennessee bumps up to three. Bama will be fine. Like, if they win out, they'll make the college football playoff. And that's kind of all that matters at this point for this team. Yeah, that's what's crazy because Tennessee is on Georgia's side of the SEC. So they could still get in feasibly if Georgia beats them and then beats Bama. I think a one-loss Tennessee could still get in because I don't think the Big 12 or the Pac-12 is going to go undefeated. I think UCLA will lose. I think TCU will lose out of the Big 12. I think it'll be Bama – or not Bama. It'll be Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson. And then it's either going to be like a one-loss uh, – what do you call it? A one-loss Tennessee or someone like that? Like I, I don't. I think the SEC can still get into. If let me try to figure out exactly what I'm trying to to say. So has Georgia lost yet this year? No, so, and they play Tennessee. So if Tennessee Tennessee hasn't lost either, correct? No. Can both those teams make it somehow? That's what I'm saying. So the way. So if Georgia beats Tennessee way- and then Georgia wins out and wins the SEC championship game, they're in. If Tennessee wins yeah. out from here on out, other than lost to Georgia, can they also get in? Because then you have an Alabama team that's two losses. Yes, that would be the path. You would need Bama to lose the SEC championship to Georgia. And then you would need one of probably TCU and UCLA to lose because they're both undefeated, but they're not. They don't have a legit shot. I don't think either of them will go undefeated. I think Clemson's probably going to finish undefeated. Do you mean Syracuse? Unless they lose to Syracuse. Unless they lose to Syracuse on Saturday. Um, but yeah, they still have a path. It also depends. Ohio State, Michigan. You know, if can one is one of them one loss better than Tennessee? But I don't think they are because Tennessee plays a, a tougher schedule. They've got three top twenty-five wins already. Right. So that's that's the football side of things. Let's let's talk about the the fun side, the odd man side of the story. So Tennessee wins. They the fans storm the field. They celebrate. They somehow take the goalposts, parade them around the city, and then dump them in the river. <laughs> That part was weird to me. Why the river dump? Why? I guess they just were like, what do we do with these? I feel like, can't you just like bring them back? 
Like, do you have to hide the evidence? Like, is that what you're trying to do? Like, all right, everyone saw it. <laughs> oh, and, and now on top of this, which is that's a great part of the story. I don't know if you want to dump it in the river. Tennessee tweeted out asking for fans to pay for new goalposts after they were dumped in the river. Do you like that move, or do you think they should suck it up and and pay for it themselves? So I went to the page because I was curious. It's like donate. $52.49 for the final score. Donate this because it was Hendon Hooker's like passing yards. I can't I can't tell if it's a joke or not. I think they're just trying to get donations in general, but by putting the goal te- the goal post thing on, I, I can't tell. If it's real, I kind of hate it because like Tennessee hands out like 50 million in NIL every like their whole offensive line is making like five million a year. Like they they toss out NIL money like crazy. So if it's a joke, I think it's funny, but I can't tell if they're joking or not. The endowment's over a million dollars. You you can't sneak a little bit. Also, field goal post being over one hundred and fifty grand, or or actually is one hundred fifty grand, is astonishing to me. Like that's a that's a lot for metal y- yellow post. Well, do we think? Well, I think it's also. I don't think it's the goal post. I think it's more the they get a hundred k fine for storming the field. That's a dumb rule. Yeah, any team that storms the field is a hundred thousand dollars. But that's fine. not the the team's fault. You know what's funny though? Like Syracuse stormed the field. I don't think they're gonna get fined because they had like twenty people on the field. Like yeah. I think it's like when there's like eighty thousand people, they they kind of. I guess because it's dangerous, but you know, to to tell to bring it back to a story of my brother, he stormed the court after Temple beat Duke, and the security was trying to keep people off the court, so you'd hold them or they trip and fall down, and that's almost more dangerous because. You know, you're getting on that court one way or another. Yeah. You got and then you've got go. people on the ground that are getting stepped on. So Well, in an ideal world, you say, Okay, let's get Alabama out and then whatever happens after that is fine. It's just gonna be a big party on the field. Okay, so that's, that's the, thing, the issue though. is that the other team's out there. Yeah. The other team's out there and you see like fans are dumb. Like they're 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 drinking all day. Like they're not afraid to like get in Bryce Young's face and do something stupid. That's the the concern okay. I think with storming the field. But other than that, yeah, like once the, once Bama's gone, do whatever you want, in my opinion. Because you'll see some teams like I, I don't know if Saban did it, but he probably not because it was a last second thing. But if Bama's like two seconds left, they're just t- the other team's taking a knee. He'll say like get like go like don't just go. So it's it's definitely a thing. Yeah. Well, that's all we got, Luke, for our man rush, and for so I'll throw it back to you to end the show. That's right, it's Zoftic show. We'll be back probably Thursday. That seems to be our, our nice little schedule we've got for picks. Probably talk a little bit more about the Jets, the Giants. Are the Yankees going to be in the ALCS against the Astros? Matt, will they? Will they be there? Yes. Okay. I'm going to say yes as well. Score early. I think that's going to be the key tonight. We'll recap all that. We'll see how stupid we look with that take on Thursday. Thanks for hanging out. Make sure to follow us all over social media at Walling and Owens. Thanks for hanging out with us. <laughs>